even with that defense being great, at some point they're going to get in the shootout. He's a great coordinator, not a great head coach. I think there's one thing we're all saying for a fact. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Goal Line Podcast. I'm your host Patrick Seifer, also known as No Huddle NFL on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. That is No Huddle NFL with no capitals and no spaces. Also available on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end. Very special episode for you guys because the combine started, guys. Workouts didn't start yet. They start tomorrow. By the time Woo! this goes up, he's excited. By the time yes. this starts <laughs> up, <laughs> by the time this starts up, uh, or the time this goes up, I mean, uh, workouts probably are happening. Maybe they just finished up when I upload this. I really don't know. I'm probably going to be on a car to Syracuse at that time. Big road trip. Finishing up the last couple of schools that I didn't visit yet. Uh, but, you yeah, know, I'm super excited for that, but I'm more excited for this combine, if I'm being honest. Of course, you were able to tell Dom is. And the really exciting thing about what's already came out of the combine is the interviews. And a lot of these GMs and coaches try and keep stuff secretive. They're going to try and answer your questions while also dancing, while also dancing around answering your question. But something came out recently. And I don't want to make this a big topic because we did organize our topics a couple days ago uh, before these interviews occurred. Uh, but well, we got to we got to open the episode the, with this, Patrick. There so was just hit me with it. There was an interesting interview with Tom Telesco, Raiders GM, new Raiders GM, about, former Chargers GM, yeah, by the way. Yeah, about his quarterback and what he looks for and which quarterbacks really appeal to him. And he said he's looking for someone who has experience, you know, has some of the traits, might not be perfect, but, you know, they really look nice. And when you really look deep into the nitty-gritty of it, and I'm not going to try and take credit for the analysis, the over-analysis, although I think proper over-analysis, of what Tom Telesco said. I'm not going to try and take credit for it. But... I read a very interesting article by A to Z Sports basically saying, you know, the fact he wants experience makes it seem like he's interested in Penix or Bo Nix. And then you go into more of what he's been saying recently. And it looks a lot like the Raiders' number one draft target at quarterback is Bo Nix. I'm just curious, Dom. How do you feel about that? Because I, Wait, I don't. Not I think that's ridiculous. That. I'll be, I'll be honest. Can I just cut you off right yeah. here? Let's, like, look. I could see them taking Bo Nix in the second round. What they're the twelfth pick in the second round, I believe, twelfth or thirteenth pick, mm-hmm. um, around there, right? I could see, and, and Bo Nix will slide to there. All, all these mock drafts that have Bo Nix going in the first round, it's complete malarkey. He's gonna fall to the second round. He'll be, um, a day two pick. With that being said, I don't understand the logic in taking, I believe he's 25 years old now, a 25-year-old Bo Nix as a rookie to lead this team when, especially the quarterback market the way it is now in free agency. Now, But to be fair, I am not a fan of Tom Telesco, and he has made a lot of questionable moves, I believe, in his time as a GM. Um, It's kind of mind-boggling to me that he's already been hired after parting ways with the Chargers. But I would be very surprised if Bo Nix was the answer when 
the quarterback market is the way it is right now, especially with the pending trades that are that are up for debate as well. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you there. I don't think Bo Nix is exactly a team's quarterback in the future. I strongly agree. I think the rationale well, is... It just, it's so contradictory well, to everything. Well, he right? apparently... This is what he said in the interview. He likes the more old guys. He likes the older guys. And that's because you have, in his mind, an experienced guy on a rookie deal. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. That's not some insane ideology, but still, it, it's Bo Nix. Right? I, I don't love Bo Nix as a prospect. I really don't. And... I don't think many other coaches or GMs do. Maybe they just like that they can get him round two, and that's part of it. Well, I think Penix, Penix is more likely than Bo Nix. If, if that's the case, I mean, Penix can distribute the football really better than uh, – I wouldn't say better, but like on par with anyone else in this draft, Michael Penix can play point guard and get the ball to your playmakers if you do have playmakers, right? So, you know, with a Devontae Adams, a Jacoby Myers, a Hunter Renfro – um, even a Michael Mayer, who was a rookie last year, you know, with with a, a unit that talented, I could see Michael Penix going there and playing point guard. But I think that this is a team, and I've been saying this for a while now. People are calling me crazy, but I think that they're in the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes. I think with they have plenty of cap room right now, and there are a couple pending cuts um, away from clearing up a little bit more cap room. But I think Kirk Cousins going there to Las Vegas to play with Devontae Adams play with this team that's really built up the defense under Antonio Pierce. Um, and I think that that, that that would just make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, I think I, I'm not big on the Bo Nix move if they decide to do it. But I definitely give, I definitely advise everyone read that article. I recently tweeted that link out on my Twitter, and I have no reason to be promoting it. I'm promoting it purely because I think it's a great – piece of media and about a very important topic i highly advise people check that out uh also check out my twitter while you're there check out the other posts because i i've been posting there pretty consistently uh but now i want to shift gears to another rumor that came out today uh that seems to be very true just considering the the sources that reported it chiefs are allowing luxurious need to search for a trade and, again, we, we scheduled our topics before today and before the recent reports today. But I still want to tackle this topic, at least vaguely, because Legereus need last year was an amazing quarter. Amazing. And him being on the move from last year's Super Bowl champions and the year before that Super Bowl champions, that, that's huge. That is huge. So I ask you, what do you think is the ideal landing spot for a player like Legere's need? Well, I've heard a lot of talks about him going to Atlanta, uh, which is really interesting to me because they really built up that secondary with AJ Terrell. I don't know if Jeff Kuda, Jeff Okuda is parting ways with the team this offseason, but I mean, Jesse Bates over there being added to that unit. Um, even Clark Phillips, the third out of Utah, who they drafted last year in the late rounds, who I love as a slot corner. Um... Yeah, so I, I'm, I think Atlanta might be the top spot for Legereus Sneed right now, just based on what I'm hearing from sources around the league. However, if I were to make my pick, and, you know, unbiased, 
I think that the Eagles are going to be in play for Legarius. I, I had a feeling Ooh, you were going to say Philly. Philly. Yeah, I, and just as an Eagles fan myself, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean, that definitely would make a lot of sense. They have an attraction to, like, those man corners, those press man-to-man corners. I mean, that's why they liked Ringo, right? That's why they wanted to draft him. That's why they made a trade in order to bring him in. So, I could definitely see that happening. I absolutely can. I want to shift gears to the other Pennsylvania team, though. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, you think Legereus Sneed is going there? Press man-to-man corner. That, that, I just think about schematically. That's a great fit. The Steelers recently, if you pay attention to how that defense has been ran recently, compare it to how it was just a couple years ago, it's been a much more press man-to-man heavy team. It used to be like the Dick LeBeau type of, oh yeah, let's play zone blitz all the time. We're going to blitz and then we're going to have zone coverage right behind and we're going to, you know, have people drop back into coverage. You wouldn't think they're going to drop back it used to be that type of defense. They used to disguise stuff, and it used to be very special in that way. Now it's a lot more vanilla. Now it's a lot more, our guys are better than yours, okay? Try and stop us. Try and pass on us. Joey Porter's going to jam your receiver at the line of scrimmage. He's going to do a really good job. And Patrick Peterson, he wasn't very capable of doing that, but LeJarius Need absolutely can be. He absolutely can be. I just think schematically, it might be the best fit, other than the Chiefs, of course. But the Chiefs were just running that scheme to fit Legereus Sneed. I think the Steelers are already running the type of scheme where Sneed can be very successful. It's just a question of whether or not he lands there. Okay. I'm not hating on the take. I actually think the Steelers might be a good fit. Now, here's the thing. If they're going to trade for him, they're going to need to have enough salary cap room to extend him for a long yes. period of time. Because they that's only the only reason Legereus Sneed is there. They only have $8 million right now. And I think they have a couple needs that are a little bit more important than corner, at least sure, the secondary, sure. particularly because but, they draft and develop the secondary relatively well, right? Yeah, sure. But we know how the Steelers are. We know how Mike Tomlin is. He prioritizes the defense, right? That's true. I mean, they didn't yeah. need a safety when they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick, but they did anyway. Yeah, but that trade turned out to be a pretty good acquisition. Pretty them, good, right? And I feel like that's how we feel about this luxurious need thing. I just see a team that isn't afraid to throw first-rounders away to get experienced DBs. Well, okay. look, I, I'm a big proprietor of, you know, forget them picks. I think you know what I really want yeah. to say. But, you know, forget the draft picks, right? Go out and get players that are proven commodities. It's just when you're giving up a draft pick and then also giving up that salary – that's a different beast. Now, I will, sure, Patrick, sure. let me throw this. Uh, the Steelers, I do think, are a top five candidate to land LeJarius mm-hmm. Yeah, And Again, I really I'm think that they've been in conversations. The likely. I'm saying this is the most no. ideal. This is, most this ideal is my fit. most ideal. Yes. Hear me for out. For LeJarius Oh, okay. Most ideal fit for LeJarius Chicago Bears got a lot of cap room. Chicago oh, wow. Bears got a lot of draft cap. But they have their DBs, and he's not real. Again, he's not really a scheme fit there, I don't think. But Legereus Sneed can flex, and he plays a lot of slot corner. He plays a lot of press man, slot corner, a lot of 
flexing around the ball. He's a Swiss Army knife in the secondary. And if you got Tyreek Stevenson and Jalen Johnson, I believe, is walking off the team in the, oh, in the first that's place. Why? I don't think that that's he'll why be you returning. Think, okay, that's interesting. So I that's think that Jalen okay. Johnson, because he can't stay healthy, he walks. You, you rock with Tyreek Stevenson. You got a pretty good foundation back there in the secondary. Jaquan Brisker. Eddie Jackson's probably out of there, too. Yeah. Well, he's already so gone. Eddie Jackson, he's already gone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's out of there already. And then Kyler Gordon you know, as the slot corner. You have LeJarius Kyler Gordon Sneed. slot corner. And then you have LeJarius Sneed to kind of mm-hmm. just be your anchor there. Now, like, hear me out. I, I just think that with the cap room there and with their flexibility to make this kind of move, you trade, you know, your, your highest second-round pick, which I believe is round two, pick number nine, whatever. I'm not doing the math on that right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's 41. <laughs> pick, for them, pick number 41. You trade that away. You get LeJarius Sneed. I think the Chiefs would be happy with the 41st overall pick. Um, just the only reason they franchise tagged him was because they wanted to have him as a trade asset. I, mm-hmm. And I don't think they have any plans of giving him a long-term extension. Mm-hmm. So, and somebody's going to trade for him at the end of the day, somebody's going to give up. Yeah. Capital. And it's going to be a high price because a lot of people want him. A lot of yeah, people. So want I think the 41st overall pick is, is within reason. Well, I, sure I wouldn't that, be, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if it's a first rounder. I, I wouldn't I, either, fact, but it would have to dare be I say, It would have to dare be I, Sure, a later first-rounder, okay. But I expect it to be a first-rounder. Dare I say that? It depends It depends on what his market looks like, because right now, I mean, I, let me pull up the free agent cornerbacks list, but There's it's not a bad group. Well, if Jalen Johnson's available, like, he's going to – he was the best cornerback in football last year, Jalen Johnson. Yeah, well, yeah, he was – But then, you know who's right after him? Legarius need. So it's just like it's yeah, when you look at it's secondary all in all, right? Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. Right now. So I mean, okay, Adore Jackson kind of walking in the free agent. I know he's not great, but he could be a serviceable guy for a lot of teams. Um I'm sure uh oh Jeff Okuda is walking in the free agency right now. Sorry, I just pulled this up. Kenny Moore also walking in the free agency. Now he hasn't really lived up to how he played it, like, what I believe was two years ago was probably yeah. when he had his best season. They mm-hmm. paid him, um, and now he's kind of, like, 29 years old. But, like, Chidobi Awuzi, like, I'm, this yeah, corner market, this corner market is very compelling. Even some sure. of the guys that are lesser known that I've seen have some but, good years in the past. Yeah, yeah. but a guy like Snead is always going to be, always going to be appealing. I think of course he is a, he is that caliber of player. He is that like blue chip type of defender that you really want. Blue chip's crazy. Blue you chip think means that's crazy. No, I know what blue, blue chip means. means Hall of Fame. Like, I, well, I'm not saying he's Hall of Fame, maybe, but blue chip. Maybe I, not necessarily. I would consider but... like, I would consider him a blue chip player because I think last year he was the best press man to man corner in the NFL. Last year, he was the best press man to man corner. But you know what that means, Patrick? That mean that means that he's gonna have to go to a defense that's conducive to that place. And that's why I said the Steelers. And that's why I think yeah. although Chicago, if Jalen Johnson's gone, they need to replace him. I don't think that's an ideal fit because they like to run a lot of soft zone, all that stuff. Meanwhile, the Steelers, they they want to get in your face. They want corners playing man to man coverage. They want press man to man coverage. Sneed is a perfect fit there. There's not many teams that do that much. There isn't. There aren't many teams that are saying, okay, we want our... Well, well there's not a lot of defensive coordinators in the NFL that are willing to do that in the yeah. first place. But I also and, think, at yeah. the same time, bringing in someone like Snead 
makes a defensive coordinator want to do that. That's the other interesting element to this. If someone is trying to completely transform their defense, he's the type of guy that allows you to do that. So that's another interesting element where even if he's not a perfect scheme fit, you make the scheme fit him. He's one of those types of players. Yeah. It, it, it's really... It's really interesting. I, I think this entire situation is going to... Every team is in play. Just that simple. Every team is in play. Because he is that caliber of player. Every team is in play. Every single one. All 32 teams in the NFL. Other than the Chiefs. Or maybe the Chiefs still want him. Maybe the Chiefs still want him. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to respect it. Mm-hmm. But... It's very interesting. Uh, yeah, it's it just, it would be, like, I think Steelers would be a great fit. Steelers it's would probably just they got to like, make some cat magic happen. But again. Well, yeah, to go play for Mike Tomlin. I, I, but for it's him, the same he, way he, I he, felt about Kirk Cousins. Yeah. When we talked about Kirk Cousins recently, just a couple weeks ago. Him yeah. potentially going to Pittsburgh because they got to be aggressive. It's about time they got to be aggressive. The fan base is in uproars. Okay, they want to win more than just enough to make the playoffs okay they want to win a playoff game they want to make it far this is the pittsburgh steelers okay six-time super bowl champions they're held to a higher standard they want to meet that standard again okay and sneed is the type of player you bring in in order to do that okay and yeah maybe that means suffering a little bit cap wise and needing to make some hard cuts and some strange cap manipulating plays but the fans are in uproar it's time to do it I think. Look, I, I respect it. I just, the only problem I have, and I'm not really saying this to be a contrarian, but I really don't subscribe to the idea that you're out here as a GM. Like, winning football games is obviously going to please fans, but, like, to me, as, as an Eagles fan, personally, you know, this is a team that, you know, my mental health is constantly dependent <laughs> on whether or not this team is going to do well, right? And what I the, what I could care less about is the big name signing, right? Because we have done this in the past. And not all, like, all of the guys that we got that were quote-unquote big names or, like, you know what I mean, like these big moves that we made, a lot of them don't really work out. I mean, with the exception of Hassan Reddick in recent years, um, I can't really think of another guy that we've made, like, a giant acquisition on. I mean, is and Kevin Byard been... a big addition? Yeah, but he didn't do it. Like, that's what I'm saying. Oh, so okay, you're saying guys that were successful. Okay. Like, like guys, well, and not only that, that stayed for multiple years. Like, of course, we got Alshon Jeffrey not, you know, not too long ago. I mean, I guess it's almost, you know, seven or eight years now since that happened. But eight years ago, we got Alshon Jeffrey, and he played well for our team. But Alshon Jeffrey was not uh, the Alshon Jeffrey that we knew before that. Like, yeah. what I said about this Eagles team, this season was wow. This roster would be sick if we were in 2018, <laughs> but but we're not. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I usually don't get caught up in the big names and what and whatnot. And just to tie this back into the Steelers, less about Legarius Sneed, but more about the Steelers. I understand you want to take big swings and make these big moves, but there's nothing that's going to replace just going out there and playing your best football. And that's not always having the flashiest player, the flashiest trade the biggest move of the offseason. Okay, and I should say, rarely what do the point, teams that have the big offseasons come out successful. At what point do you make that change? Because they've been trying, oh, just play their best football. You know, that, that's Mike Tomlin's M.O. But I don't think they're, they always were. Because, like, if that was the case, Matt Canada would have been gone a long time ago. Okay. And not a, and not a midseason fire. If that was the case, they wouldn't have drafted Kenny Pickett. 
You don't draft Kenny Pickett unless you want to be mediocre. Let's be honest. Sure. Right? Okay. And, 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 yeah. And, yeah. And that's not an indictment on Kenny. I think Kenny's a really good dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just, think I just, it's, yeah. it's a team that needs to prove they're not complacent. And bringing in Snead and trading whatever they need to end up trading in order to do so is a great way to go about that. I, I absolutely think so. Especially, again, schematically, and I think that's the main reason. Schematically, it's a perfect fit. Perfect fit. I, that is the main reason I'm throwing Pittsburgh into this discussion. That, along with just the way that they need to change how that organization, how that team is ran. But anyway... Let's move on to our schedule. Yeah, let's move program. on. Uh, yeah, because I was about to go on another tangent. So, yeah, let's just. <laughs> well, no. Okay. Say what has to be said. Okay. I'm going to say one more thing yeah. before we move off of sure. this. Okay. I'm looking at their salary cap table right now. Yeah. They only have $8 million this year. I'm aware. No, no, they only have $8 million. Okay. But let's look at what percentage of the cap is spent on their top four defensive players. Nearly 12% on TJ Watt. Nearly 9% on Cam Hayward. Their cap. So right there, right there, that's twenty one point yeah, twenty one point five percent of their cap. Okay, and then another eight point five percent on Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. So that's thirty percent of their cap, and then five percent as, as their fifth highest player, Alex Highsmith, who's right under the three with our defense. So thirty five percent of their cap is occupied by My two pass rushers, plan. an interior defensive lineman, and a strong safety. Yeah. And then Larry Ogunjobi's another 5% other that, under that. So 40% really of their cap. Mm-hmm. But uh, we know that they're going to have to do some cap finagling in order to make this work out. Oh, of course. But then, okay, but then, okay. But then later down the, the road, okay. Team, then you're spending nearly 50%, probably, probably more than 50% of your salary cap on six defensive players. Mm-hmm. Six. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> but then what, yeah, if, what if the defense becomes the best in football? Right. What if? What, what if? if but you got to score points, Patrick. Sure. At the end of the day, yeah. you got to score points. Mm-hmm. And that's what you hope the new offensive coordinator will do, and that's what you hope the quarterback change, who I, I think Fields is the play for them. I really do. I agree. I totally yeah. agree. I think if they're going to go any route, it's Justin Fields or Bust. So in that situation, you have the advantage of not paying your quarterback much right now. Uh, And then, sure, down the line is bound to hurt, but that's the thing. The Steelers are still – have been so concerned about down the line for so long. It's it's why they've been in like purgatory. It's why. Because they're so afraid of what's going to happen if we be, be aggressive this year. What's going to happen? And then when they are aggressive, when they do something like the Minka Fitzpatrick trade, it pays off dividends. It works so well. So that, that's why I'm like, where's that aggression now? Right? I don't, to me, that's just, this team seems like a team that needs that Think to push them over the edge. I really think that Snead can do that for them. But I hold my peace. Let's talk about another AFC North team. Another franchise tag discussion to have. T. Higgins getting tagged by the Cincinnati Bengals. How do you feel about this one? I mean, it was necessary. I mean, the Bengals really do have quite a bit of cap room yeah. uh, still at well, their now, disposal. Yeah. Despite. yeah um but even before franchise tagging T. Higgins and after franchise, like I mean, they still have plenty of money to spend. But this was well, inevitable. I'm also saying with the thirty million dollar cash space raise that that helps. Yeah, I, yeah. 
they're not looking like like I mean they're looking like they're in a pretty decent situation right now, especially because they've been drafting relatively well too. I think that's been helping them a lot. Yeah. But yeah, I mean T. Higgins, like, how do you let this guy walk, right? And I think their biggest question was going into this. Okay, how do we just get one more year of Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase, and then we'll figure out the rest later. I think they're playing with T. Higgins going forward right now is they're going to keep him through this season. I'm sure T. Higgins isn't going to try to weasel his way out of this one just yet because he knows after this year, because he was only a second-round pick, no fifth-year option, you know, and he was the the first pick of the second round, I should add, so one pick away from having that fifth-year option. But I think that he'll pursue free agency the year after this. But you can't right now, especially the season last year, the way it did end, you know, let this end on a bad note. So I think they walk into the season with T. Higgins. If they're, you know, five and two, six and two at the at the trade deadline, they don't move off of them. If they're, you know, two and six, two and five at the trade deadline, they trade T. Higgins, get assets in exchange for him. It's really a win-win situation for the Bengals because either way, you get a great player or you move off of a great player and get some draft capital in exchange. So you say win-win situation. I agree, and I want to use that win-win term in in another sense because normally you think about franchise tag and you hear man the player the player's really getting the short end of the stick here and higgins still isn't getting like the most ideal situation in the world but normally these franchise tags are a lot more one-sided towards the teams okay normally and i mean in essence that this is designed to be that way it is designed to be a tool for the coaches and the teams right it's literally a contract that players cannot say no to. I, I mean, they do not have the ability yeah, to reject I mean, it. What it is. In essence, yeah. it is unfair. And I'm not saying it's perfect for T. Higgins, but I do look at this, compare it to other times receivers get franchise tagged or any player gets franchise tagged. I, I think it works a lot more in his favor than usual because the thing is, he wants to get paid wide receiver one month. He's getting paid wide receiver one money. The, the, yeah, he's he making has, more than Trey Hendricks exactly. next year. He's making, he's making $21 million. He's almost making $21 million. million. Exactly. And, yeah, you would like to make that long term. But if he hit free agency, he wouldn't be making more than that. I mean, he wouldn't. He might be getting paid less or at least, like, around that. Okay? He wouldn't be getting paid much more. I know that for a fact. I think at most he's getting paid exactly that. All right. In free agency because – we don't know for a Honestly, fact he could be a wide probably receiver. less. Yeah, probably, he probably less does make free less. Agent market. Uh, but I'm also yeah. thinking like he gets overpaid because he lands on a team that isn't overly great. But even then, he probably only makes like 18 million a year. Okay. Well, and also you got to look at it coming off of a season in which he battled injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was in and out of the lineup, and he didn't necessarily play his best football. And this is not. Yeah, that, I'm, that's I, very look, I, I own a T. Higgins jersey, and I am an Eagles fan. Yeah. I am the biggest T. Higgins fan probably in existence right now. Mm-hmm. This was a great decision on for him as well. I totally agree with yeah. you, Patrick. No, and, and that's what I'm saying. And, of course, you would like to get a long-term deal. I know he's frustrated about that. But normally, these tags are way more brutal. Way more brutal. Oh, okay. yeah. So, I just want to say, for T. Higgins, I feel like he got one of the better franchise tags as of late. And for the Bengals, I, I kind of want to piggyback off your point. They can technically afford to pay two wide receiver ones or pay two players wide receiver one money, but they don't want to. <laughs> okay, they do not want to be doing that. 
they're going to have to pay Jamar Chase at some point. They're going to have to. And if they gave T. Higgins a long-term deal, they would be locking themselves into a situation at some point where they're paying two wide receivers at least 17 mil. And then one of them is definitely making like 23 mil because Jamar Chase is going to make like mid-20s. <laughs> like he's going to be making a boatload of money. Well, you know, and here's the biggest question I had pertaining to that. And not that I don't think Jamar Chase is worth the money, right? But going forward with this team, I like it's a really tough decision to make of which one of these two you're going to keep. Because you're right, you cannot keep both of them mm-hmm. and maintain the rest of the roster the way that you want it to. Um, but who's easier to replace, I guess, is that, that that's like the question that I'm kind of well, left with. The way I look at it. Jamar Chase is the one that has his ro- more years of his rookie deal left over. T. Higgins isn't. T. Higgins is the one whose contract ran out first. So as a result, T. Higgins gets the stick. Sorry, that's just how it is. And the yeah. really good thing about the franchise tag is sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing. But in this situation, it's a good thing. It's only a one-year deal. So you're only paying one wide receiver one well, wide receiver one money. And then, okay, we'll let you walk. Now we'll pay Jamar Chase wide receiver one money. And this also gives them time to develop someone behind T. Higgins to establish themselves as that T. Higgins-esque player. So are you implying that they draft a wide receiver in the first round this year? Not not first round. Or maybe they I mean, draft... This is a good wide receiver I, class. Here's something, and that's what I think, right? If they draft a Xavier Leggett later on, or uh, mm-hmm. Malachi Corley, someone who has upside and has the ability to be like a star, but they're going to be later on in the draft because they're not technically refined yet and they're not well-rounded yet. That could, in theory, end really well for them. Really well. But I think something they should at least entertain. Grabbing Brock Bowers. Maybe they have to trade up to do it, but get in Brock Bowers. This They'll way. definitely have to trade up to get Brock yeah. Bowers. But yeah, they that probably will have play. to. But that, that would be a great play because play. you don't have to pay him wide receiver yeah. two money. You don't have to pay him wide receiver one money either. He, he, has, he makes tight end money. When he's and, rookie contract yeah. money and he's like, when you're looking for the next closest thing to Travis Kelsey, that's mm-hmm. probably. Well, he's <laughs> like, more than Travis Kelsey. That. He's everything. He's literally yeah. everything you want in a tight end. Everything. But and again, the good thing is, Kaida, when his rookie contract, it would be insane because he is the second best. You yeah, know, he is the second best offensive player in this class. Uh, other than I haven't watched Joe Alt yet. I have not watched Joe Alt yet. So I can't speak on that. But I will say, in my opinion, he's the second best offensive player in this class. And it's behind Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. is obviously number one. Yeah. But then Brock Bowers is an extremely well rounded player. Extremely well rounded, does seemingly everything you want to have a tight end at an elite level and again the good thing about a tight end is they don't get paid as much as wide receivers yet you could treat them like wide receivers and that's Mm -hmm. you get the rookie year the rookie deal which is great but then after that you're still not paying him what you would be paying t higgins so that's where it's like he's a perfect 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 draft pick for any team from a value perspective. Now, Patrick, real quick, before we before we move on, I also want to add one more thing. What does this mean for Tyler Boyd now heading into free agency? Uh, T. Higgins getting the franchise tag? 
What does T. Higgins getting the franchise tag mean for Tyler? Because Tyler Boyd is probably yeah, not going to get re- Well, he's not getting re-signed. I think that's fine. I think I think Tyler Boyd is going to make a lot of money for a wide receiver three. And I think he's a guy who's finally going to get an opportunity to show he's still a wide receiver too. If I don't know if he is, but I think he at least deserves the opportunity. I, there's yeah, actually a lot of like wide receivers. Destiny. There's a lot of like wide receiver threes that might be wide receiver twos available in this year's free agency. Oh yeah, class. Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel, um, Sterling Shepard, Cedric Wilson, who I yeah. love. Cedric I Wilson, love yeah, that's a good one. I forgot yeah. about him. Sterling Shepard, yeah. KJ Osborne's available. There's a lot of guys. I don't oh. think Calvin Ridley's been re-signed by the Jags. No, he has I mean, I know he's, he's another guy. Three, he's another guy. That would be, yeah. This is a really interesting wide receiver free agency like market. Pittman. Uh, Pitt, um, well, Pittman, Pittman is apparently going to get the franchise tag if they can't agree to a long-term deal by the March 5th deadline. So he is not going to hit free agency. Yeah, he's That's probably. A, a recent report said that. Yeah. So, yeah, Pittman isn't going to hit free agency, but still, uh, very interesting very interesting wide receiver free agency market. Even with yeah. T. Higgins and Pittman not hitting the market, it should still be really. No, nah, I mean this is a this is a yeah this is a group where you know uh, one movement to no, I I shouldn't say the wrong team but maybe to the right team could shake up the entire NFL. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like one team that's a, a wide receiver three shy of getting over the hump. And this could be a serious problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. But there's another position of free agents that might not be as high caliber, but there's definitely a lot of big names there. There definitely are. I'm talking about the running backs. There are five guys who are like pretty big names that I want to talk about. I want to hear how you rank them. We got Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, if you were to rank those five, how would you go about it? And just oh, give and me Derek a little bit. Henry and Derrick Henry. Oh, did I not mention Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry was the other I one. Used... I only said four, okay. huh? Look at me, can't count. Well, you said yeah. Well, you said five after you said it, so I assume Derrick Henry is the fifth. Yeah, yeah. No, he is. Yeah. He is. So if you um, were to rank them, what what would be your ranking of those five? Um. Okay. Taking all factors into account, right? Like I'm. I'm not just going to go based off scheme fit for teams well, because the thing I is think too, that running yeah. back is running back, man. You know, like I, I think scheme is still important, right? Of course, someone like Derrick Henry, you want to have him running from under center. You don't really want to try and run inside zone with this type of guy. You want him to just hit the hole, man. You want to hit it. Blast. Yeah. You you know, he's a down. I take runner. that into account. Yeah. What I'm yeah. saying is I take that into account. Yeah, and you should. You should. But just overall, as runners... Which guys do you think are the most valuable? I guess I would say. I'm going to put Saquon at the top at number one. Mm-hmm. Um, despite the injuries, I still think Saquon, in terms of ability to change a football game, is number one on this list. Um, especially, and this is my biggest fear. I lose sleep at night, Patrick, over this. I know this isn't going to happen, but imagine if he decides to maybe take a more team-friendly deal and go play with the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know, but that would be... That'd be something crazy. But if so tell me this. I, I like that you mentioned that. If you're the Chiefs and you have Pacheco, I mean, I don't think Saquon is fine splitting carries. 
I don't. I, I agree. I agree. That's what I'm saying. I think that, and he could do it all. He could be a third down back if you need him to. And he, the thing is, he could get paid. He can. There's a certain team. There's a certain team in the NFL right now that has a lot of money, and they're willing to splurge on a running back right now, and that's the Houston Texans. Uh yeah. If Saquon gets an offer from them, he's not going to the Chiefs. <laughs> See, I was saying this to my roommates the other day, and they called me crazy, but I totally believe that Saquon to the Texans is probably his best. And I don't think it's crazy to say that because they were saying like, oh, you'd want to get CJ Stroud, a wide receiver before you go get him a running back. And I'm like, look, you can go draft a great wide receiver this year. And they have such a deep receiver room. Yeah, they really do. They got a good group of guys, man. And it's not like you're looking for that much to replace. Even if they lose Noah Brown, who was another guy we didn't mention in like that wide receiver, wide receiver two uh, type of discussion. But yeah, if they lose Noah Brown, okay, then Robert Woods, we have him. Then they have Tank Dell, and then Nico Collins. And then I really like Xavier Hutchinson, which is a name not many people know, but I really like him. They have John Mechie. He's a dog. He's a dog. I'm a big fan of Xavier And then they have John Mechie, too. It's it's a really deep From Alabama, yeah. John Mechie, who beat cancer, by the way. Shout out to John Mechie. I love that guy. Love the death. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, no, they they do not need a wide receiver. They need to replace Devin Singletary. (laughs) That's what they need. Well, uh, and you know they did have a good run game with Singletary. Yeah, last so imagine year. how that Pace. imagine how that yeah. would look with Saquon. I agree. I especially under Bobby Slowick's scheme, I think that this would be. It would be yeah. really fun. It would be really fun. But who's your next running back? Okay. Well, first of all, I'm assuming you also have Saquon at one on your list. Uh, no, I do not. Okay. Saquon is my number would two. You... Could you give me your number one? Because I'm actually dying to know. Josh Jacobs. Really? Okay, he's my number two, so this yeah. is a good opportunity to do a yeah, little. No, I figured, Josh Jacobs I figured. is up there for me. Yeah. yeah. Josh Jacobs is still just such a forceful runner. He he was slow early in the year because he was coming off a holdout. But once he got in NFL shape, he got going, man. He got going. He really did. He's the type of guy you just – he just plays running back, hits the hole, man. Does and if you need somebody to ground and pound five yards a clip for your team, like this is, I I'd be willing to pay maybe not top dollar, but I'd be willing to splurge on a running back of his caliber that like that's going to keep us ahead of the sticks if I do have the money to spend on it, mm-hmm. right? And the good thing is he's not like the next player you're probably going to mention. I imagine where you know he's so big that you can't trust him with like inside zone. You don't really want to use like shotgun formation and give him the ball. He's he has a little bit of shiftiness to him too. And yeah. I I don't think he has the injury concerns you got with the Saquon Barkley. So for me that's the advantage there. He could catch the ball out of the backfield too. Josh Jacobs is a guy I love. I love watching this guy run because he's such a he's one of the most well-rounded running backs in the entire NFL. And he stays healthy. So that that's the big thing here. But anyway, and I, look, I could really see him going to like even the commanders, because the commanders, if they take a rookie quarterback, they'll pay him top dollar. I mean, they have eighty-two million in cap space right yeah, I now. I just don't think that they're in a position where they should pay a running back, but that doesn't mean they won't. Well, that and it's not, not like look, won't. look. Brian Robinson's good. Antonio Gibson's good, but you know, you're going to go out and get a rookie quarterback, which I, I'm sure they'll probably prioritize offensive line. But a team with a rookie quarterback could always use a running back. Um, and I, I wouldn't put it past the Commanders or really the Bears, even though they have Roquan Johnson, who I love, and Khalil Herbert, who's really good. 
um, one of these teams to go out and get a running back to be a complimentary piece for their young player. And even the Texans, if they miss out on Saquon, um, could be one to keep it. Or maybe they for. just want Jacobs instead. I wouldn't be Yeah, I wouldn't possible. be surprised. He might fit Slowick's scheme a little bit better anyways. Yeah, you know what? He might. He might. Yeah. But that, that running game, they use everything. They run all yeah. different concepts. They'll run counter. They'll run power. They'll run trap. They run it all, really. Duo. Zone. Trust me, I know. It's my playbook in Madden. It's the playbook <laughs> I use in Madden right now. Bobby Slowick scheme. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think either of the Like, if you're the Texans, you can't go wrong with either of them. You can't. Although, I do think the Texans aren't a suitor for who I imagine both of our number threes are, right? Uh, no. Oh, who, no, my who's, three. who's your number three? Tony Pollard. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. For me, I'm talking Tony. about Derek Henry. But it, we could talk about Pollard first then. All right. What, well, what? Here's the thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tony Pollard, I understand he's got the injury history, and he's got quite a few miles on him right now. But at this point in his career, compared to Derrick Henry, he's got a little bit more explosive, a little bit more burst, that if I'm in the free agency market, because I, I did this from a perspective of like, okay, am I, if I'm a GM, who am I paying? More importantly, if I'm the GM of the Texans, who am I paying, right? I think that Tony Pollard would be the next guy on this list because he's a big play guy. Not that Derrick Henry isn't, but Derrick Henry at 30 years old, I'm a little bit worried about regression here, particularly at the running back position. Right, and at least I know with Tony Pollard, the first couple years of his career split in carries with Zeke, um, got a couple more miles on him out there in Dallas. But I think if he goes to a team with a competent offensive line, he's going to be the kind of player that you know we look at. And we're like, you know, that was a sneaky good free agency acquisition getting Tony Pollard. I'm not gonna lie. I'm one of the people that are lower on Pollard than most right now at the moment. I respect it, though. I Like, look, I hate the Cowboys, so <laughs> you can talk yeah. me into it. You so, can definitely talk me into it. Th- there's two things I want to mention. One, he had a really good offensive line last year and still wasn't, like, amazingly productive. He was decently productive, but he wasn't, he wasn't amazingly productive. And I, I know stats don't tell this true story, but I'm telling you right now, film tells you the same thing. He's rapidly declining, like rapidly, and there's no better sign of that than the fact that he has 59 more carries this year, yet he had two less rushing yards than he did the year prior. That's bad. That's bad. And the offensive line is, that offensive line is still very good. Tyler Smith, who was a dog at guard this year. Well, there, there is one key notable change that I, I think goes without saying. Kellen Moore being Moore, gone. Okay. Kellen sure. Moore being gone, I think, is is certainly a concern. Schematically, um, but it's not like... Listen, you don't watch the Cowboys' offensive line and their blocking schemes, and you're like, who, who the hell designed this blocking scheme? This looks awful. Now, you do say, man, there was a little bit more creativity with Kellen Moore out there. Absolutely. But still... In terms of a running back's ability to just hit the hole and, you know, make their cuts and do all that stuff, Pollard isn't impressing me anymore. He just isn't. It just isn't happening anymore. And I don't feel that way about Derrick Henry right now. I I do think Derrick Henry is losing juice. He's losing juice for sure. For sure. But I still think when you put him, when you are under center and you have a running back behind you, just normal under center formation... And then he gets a running start. 
He's still making stuff happen. Inside zone, that's not working for him, okay? For some reason, Tim Kelly tried to use him in the shotgun. D dumb has yeah, no idea how to just, no yeah. idea how to utilize his player's talent, clearly. Absolutely insane that he didn't get fired instantaneously for lining up on first down and giving Derrick Henry carries again on first down from shotgun. That that's stupid. That is insane. That's the dumbest thing I've seen all year. And it was a consistent decision, by the way. <laughs> he consistently did that. Yeah. Uh but I still think in terms of what Henry is good at, and I know not as many teams run this anymore, but there's only going to be more and more and more Shanahanian coaching staffs out there, okay? They are expanding like a virus, okay? But it's a good virus because I like the Shanahan scheme. They are bringing back the good old style of football. They like to run under center, okay? It's what they do. And, yeah, they also like their inside zone, but inside zone when the running back is lined up right behind the quarterback and he gets to have a running start is very different from inside zone out of the shotgun where there's a lot more cuts that need to be made and there still are cuts that need to be made in that form of inside zone. But we're at a point now with the Shanahanian tree where guys like Zach Robinson and these other newer members of it aren't as inside zone, outside zone, that's all we're running. They're, they're not as stubborn to just that. The entire coaching tree has expanded. Now we're seeing counter be ran a lot. Now we're seeing duo get ran a decent amount. I mean, those types of guys, I I really think they're kind of where the league is heading. You know, it, it, it isn't just one run blocking scheme works. Okay. It isn't. But Henry does have more versatility in terms of the scheme. It's just in terms of alignment, that's where you don't get it. Uh, and I know a lot of teams run a lot of shotgun now, but there are still teams that run under center, and those are the teams that want a Derrick Henry. Well, if I'm, if I can play. interject here, yeah. Patrick, yeah. I do think that that is why I have Derrick Henry below Tony Pollard. Because of the this lack particular of uh, It's because I don't think everybody in the NFL knows how to use a Derrick Henry. Quite frankly, well, I and think it's that not, that's I, stupid. <laughs> I think, and I'm not saying that you're stupid for saying that because you're right. But I think that the people that don't know how to use Derrick Henry correctly are dumb. Straight yeah, I up. agree. No, no, no. But if he went to the Eagles, he'd be ruined. He'd be he ruined in a heart. He would absolutely. And it's dumb. because we'd be running dumb. RPO schemes at a pistol, trying to Derrick Tell Henry. Me this. Like no. Tell me this. Understand? Yeah. Vikings sign Derrick Henry. No. Why not? Oh, financially, are they too far over the cap? But it's not. Well, financially, they have $38 million right so now. Daniel Hunter's about to walk. But oh. they also have to pay Justin Jefferson, and I don't think that they can afford a an accessory like that. Also, this is a team that needs to get young at running back. Okay, um, because, sure. Sure. Like, I think the draft is where they look. But I do, I do think in Kevin O'Connell's scheme, yeah, that's kind Derrick of, Henry could be. Not could Derrick be. Henry I think that that would be exact. I think that is the. If I'm Derrick Henry, that's the most ideal situation. Maybe it's not the most ideal for the Vikings. Hear me out. Wait, wait, hear me out. Patrick, Patrick, okay. just hear me out. Yep. Hear me out. If I'm, if I'm the Cardinals GM, we ran the ball so well last year. Buddy, so well last year. It was out of the gun. Were, how, hear me out. Okay, I'm sorry. 
James Conner, very similar build. Very similar build to a Derrick. And I know Derrick Henry out of the gun. It looked awful last year. You can't run that back. And then you're telling me Kyler Murray under center? That's never happening. I think you throw Kyler under center. Because he's short. It's not like he's seeing over the offensive line anyways. And that's not like that's not like supposed to be an indictment on him. But you go out and you give uh, – and this is a team that ran the ball really well last year. Yeah, they did. They ran the ball but extremely well. It, it wasn't well the year. way Derrick Henry would like to be running the football. You know, maybe you're right. Maybe Derrick Henry just can't play in today's league because no one runs this type of scheme. <laughs> well, and it's not like they're in Cliff Kingsbury's, like, you know, air raid offense well, anymore. No, they, they, I, I don't they, know. They embrace the run game more there. It's just the way they run it isn't the way Derrick Henry can run it. It's just not. I don't know. It's something I would think about. If I were the Cardinals, that you got a lot of cap room, and if you want to help Kyler Murray out a little bit, uh, adding a Derrick Henry. Because um, I do think the Cardinals will be very competitive next yeah, year. You know, I think it, the Cardinals it's a very will be a strange, team that we look at. It's a very strange yeah. situation where, like, the, the type of scheme that would fit him most, like a Kevin O'Connell scheme, they're just not going to be bringing in a veteran running back most likely. Although I don't think it's something you rule out. I don't. If he agrees to like a two-year deal, and then you give Jay Jettis his contract, but you backload it, like that's very possible, is it not? It is. It, I just think they have more pertinent problems, and no, they, they need to get do. cheap they at do. running back. Sure. They need to get, their, yeah. defense is, their defense needs They're, so yes. much work. Yeah, their defense absolutely does. So well, much I, work. And also, Kirk Cousins is likely to be out of the picture, so what do you do at quarterback? Like, There's just too much going on. Like, You can't go get Derrick Henry before you get Kirk Cousins back or before you figure out quarterback. Um, and that's why with the Vikings, I'm kind of just staying away from even considering a running back for that team. Um, but even like, I don't know if you're Derrick Henry, maybe the Carolina Panthers, maybe, uh, uh go play for, uh, the Buccaneers uh, offensive coordinator. They just yeah, tired him. Oh my God. Yeah. But, Canales. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Canales. But again, yeah. that's not like, that's a gun team. <laughs> like, I, I think you're right. I think just the, the downhill running backs just don't. They don't have a role anymore. See, in my mind, I've seen Bryce Young under center so much under Frank Reich that I was immediately thinking that yeah, they were no, going to be I, under center. I, I and the, but also, Baker was under like, center quite a bit. I just think Rashad White wasn't that type of running back. Yeah, and Rashad White mm-hmm. was under center, like, like you know, in that kind of full head of steam type. And backfield. it was also their offensive line wasn't overly great. So maybe yeah. if they're more comfortable with the Panthers' offensive line, then they're more willing to. I mean, that that's like a maybe. It's really hard to find a fit for Derrick Henry. It is. And even if it they is. do, are like Derrick Henry isn't going to be what he used to be. Well, and this is why and this is why he's below Tony Pollard on my list. Yeah. But that's also because you're you hate Tony Pollard. So, well, do we have to talk about the last one? I think we're both in uh, agreement that Eckler's the bottom. Just give the Madden players an understanding of why despite being a big name, Austin Eckler isn't very good anymore. Austin Eckler's just a fantasy running back. He's literally just there, there just was there a, to there catch. There was a period where you know he'll catch the pass, and then he was a very very nice role player at one point. And then Melvin Gordon left, and then it was like, okay, now he's the lead back. And even then, he was still productive. He wasn't a complete back, but he was very good at what he did. Now he's not even good at that. 
Now he'll catch the I ball. Just, He's sure-handed. I never That's thought it. Austin Eckler was an RB1. I never, not once in his career did I think, all right, this guy's going to carry a backfield. I thought that he and, was and a this is why, RB1 at a point. This is why the Chargers can't win anything. Is because, like, no offense to Austin Eckler. No offense to They're full of twos. They're a team full of twos. Keenan Allen's great. Keenan Allen's a two. Mike Williams is great. Mike Williams is a two. He's great, too. They're a team full of twos, and they're all a second place. With maybe the exception of Justin Herbert, who I think could be first place. But this is a team full of seconds. Yeah, and, and I think Austin someone Eckler like now Jim, is a fourth. I know this isn't about Jim Harbaugh, but someone like Jim Harbaugh is born to change stuff like that. Yeah, but I think that we have this perception of Austin Eckler like he's a number one because not he we. was a number one on I a team full of seconds. Do. Yeah, but not we. But yeah, I'd say the general public does. Um, but I think he was a number one or he was a number two on a team full of seconds. Um, and so he looked like a number one within that, within that scheme. Um, and also just getting all the garbage time catches, um, fantasy production, the handoffs on third and long that are like 15 yard carries, but it was third and 24. So it doesn't matter. You know, if you truly know ball. You would be aware the reason they lost the game against Jacksonville in the playoffs was because they couldn't run the ball in between the tackles. Why couldn't they do that? Because Austin Eckler can't run with strength. Very simple. True. Very simple. And, you know, I still think he can catch the football. <laughs> uh, but I don't even know if there's a role for him on any team because what's he doing after he catches it? Right, I mean, yeah, I can't find the fit. I'll be honest, I like I had him at five when I started. Well, he's this not going to start anywhere. He's not a starting running back. He's there's not. no way. I mean, there's not a team in the NFL I can but even see him is being he a starter. Even like a role player, like I don't know. I I genuinely struggle to see him even like play a role on. Him. I mean, he could be he could be a third down back, a scat back. Yeah, but. A scat back for a Seattle Seahawks, or like maybe not even the Seahawks. If he catches a flat, where is he going? Where is he? He's getting a yard, maybe two. Right, he can't get the yards after the catch now. I mean, I he might be a good locker room guy. I I think he's a good locker room guy. He gives that impression. So maybe you bring him in for that, and maybe he's a veteran to teach your third down back to kind of you know. How, how do I Austin settle? Austin will have a job. Yeah, he will he'll have, have a job. job. He won't have a role. It's just a matter of where. He'll have a job, not a role. Yes. I, I think that that's a very good way to put it. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit a little bit of draft before we wrap it up. Two right. specific picks that have been really controversial as of late. Two picks that can really go anywhere. The third pick by the New England Patriots is the first one that I want to talk about. What do you think their approach should be with this one? Okay, well, what do I think it should be, or what do I think they're going to do? Because those are two different uh, things. G- give me what they what it should be. Okay, what, what I think they should do, if I'm the GM of the Patriots going into this, I'm saying to myself, how many times are we going to draft a quarterback until we realize that there's nobody to throw the ball to? And you might be saying, oh, well, you go get a Tyler Boyd in free agency. You can go do this. Well, why not? Why would you pass up? unlikely the best wide receiver prospect that we're going to see what in the next five, 10 years, probably in Marvin Harrison jr. 
Go get a guy from Ohio State. You know Ohio State receivers are great. Not that it's an exact science, but, you know, coming from a place where great great wide receivers come from is NFL legacy, so knows how to handle being great. It has that, you know, that NFL prowess to him, that energy about him. Knows how to conduct himself in a locker room. Has all the production, has all the physicals, and is, I would say, relatively, knock on wood, you know, knock on one relatively healthy throughout his football career but go get marvin harrison jr and and it's not even close to me if i was the if i was gm but yeah i'm in agreement with you there I, i really am i see it as you know young quarterbacks rarely succeed in this league unless they have the right guys at receiver unless they have the right guys to throw the ball to unless they have the right guys blocking around them you have to build the foundation and I think the best approach in today's NFL is to build the foundation first and then bring in the quarterback later. I absolutely do. And Marvin Harrison is the type of guy that you don't you don't see. You do not see a player of his caliber often. You see him there at three, you take him. Although I do think trading back is definitely something you want to entertain because there's definitely other teams that have that type of ideology. There's definitely other teams that see generational wide receiver from Ohio State, son of a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Oh, yeah, I want him. So they would give up absurd value in order to get that pick. Yeah, Maybe but it would have to be that. multiple first round. Yeah. It would have to be more compensation and than we would for a quarterback. Do you th- yeah, and do you think teams would be willing to do that? I just don't – I haven't found a trade partner yet, I'll be honest with you. Okay. That's the reason why I have them staying there at three. But mm. I, I can't see a team that's within trading distance of that's this team because I think that there is a part where you cap it out. I, I'd say I cap it out at the Broncos or the Raiders um, here in terms of within trade distance. Again, this pick where future first-round picks are an asset um, and you're not traded down too much. Now, but, I say... mean, unless the Giants unless okay. the Giants decided, you know, and we'll talk about that momentarily, yeah. not to spoil anything, but mm-hmm. unless the Giants decide to make a move to go up and get Maserati Marv. Yeah. Um, tell tell me know, this. Yeah. I think the Giants are absolutely in play, but oh, uh, but they need the first-round picks in the future of bringing their quarterback back. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Let's say that Aaron Rodgers is feeling a little bit feisty, and we know he, he is the owner of that team. Aaron Rodgers completely and utterly controls everything that goes down there. Nicole Hardman confirmed that recently. I don't know if you saw that quote, but definitely look at it because it, it it's a very Jets. It confirms everything you would think about the New York football Jets. Uh, mm-hmm. But let's say Aaron Rodgers is feeling, he's feeling feisty. He's like, I want another weapon. Joe Douglas is going to get him another weapon. No, he's not. You you you're telling me you don't think they do every single little thing that Aaron Rodgers wants? No, because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm not Aaron saying Rogers it's the right move. Maybe he's got maybe one more year in New York, and you don't know what he's going to look like coming back off that Achilles injury. Fair. And I would be if I was Joe Douglas, and Joe Douglas, let's not forget, Joe Douglas drafts the trenches. He, I mean, he took yeah. Garrett Wilson yeah. in the first round, but this guy drafts Besides offensive that, and like- defensive line. He came from Philly. He's a Philly guy. I know Joe Douglas like the back of my hand. He was on Howie's staff. He's a very he was a very good director of player personnel, and, and it, he's been a very good GM. I think for the Jets. I, I think, think he's, he's a very good GM when he isn't completely and utterly overruled by Aaron Rodgers. Yes, and I don't think that they're going to let that happen. With well, they year, let the, it happen without Lazard. The they let it happen without Lazard. I, I don't. That's different. I just Paying don't Alan Lazard. 
I just don't think dollars. that they stop now. I just don't see a reason why they would stop now. Except Paying Alan Lazard $5 million and trading two first-round picks to get Maserati Marv are two completely – probably more than that. Trading a lot of assets – to get Marvin Harrison Jr. I, that's, but I mean, two Ohio State but receivers on the same team would if, be if crazy. If the Jets aren't, if the Jets aren't good this year, if the Jets are a bad team, Sal is gone. And again, I think Douglas does a good job when he's the one making the decisions. But I think Douglas might be gone with him, so it's to a point where you don't really care about that other first rounder, right? Because if it's not going to be yours if you lose. And, I mean, I think if it was him, he wanted to, he wants to trade up and draft Joe Alt. Okay, if it's him, he wants to draft up. He wants to trade up. And I agree. Draft Joe I think if he's trading yeah. up, he's tr- he's going up to get a left tackle. Also, offensive line's too much of a concern. Yeah, it, it is Rodgers a big concern. But I, again, it's Aaron Rod. What Aaron Rodgers wants, Aaron Rodgers gets. <laughs> okay, so I let me look at their cap room right now. With the Jets pack, and they got twenty two million cap room. Yeah, and they Not could they lot, could but... spend. On a wide receiver, but I, last time oh, I checked, if they if they cut CJ Mosley, they save eleven million in cap room. Oh, okay. Well, that's a CJ Mosley is a good player, but they could that could happen in theory. But a th- uh, you know a thirty year old, thirty one year old CJ Mosley. Well, even now, I, I still think CJ Mosley is still a very good player. But they could. I think he's a very good player too. Yeah, they could let him walk in theory if they want to make the money, but. Uh, last time I checked, Jordy Nelson isn't available in free agency, so I I don't think Aaron Rodgers has any. Interest. No, but this is a team. This is a team. Uh, like we just talked about, all the wide receiver threes available, right? But uh, how um, does Aaron? Again, it's not about do they want them. It's about does Aaron Rodgers specifically want them? And I think Aaron Rodgers would love a Tyler Boyd. I think he would. Do love you a think Tyler he Boyd. recognizes that he would love a Tyler Boyd though? I think so. I hope so. I, I, I absolutely so I To me, it's just they're the New York Jets. I'm waiting to see how they screw it up. I really am. And I feel like this is a golden opportunity to mention the fact that they can definitely screw this up. That And honestly, I'd rather they draft Marvin Harrison at three, trade up and draft Marvin Harrison at three, than what I'm very afraid they're probably going to do. And that Which is, is what take Olufashanu at ten. No, or what? no, that that would be fine if they trade back, say. or maybe not even trade back and take Chop Robinson. That's what nah, I'm. They're not of. taking another. They're not taking three D linemen three years in a row. That's not happening. It would be very stupid. But what? I just don't understand why. Again, why would they stop now? <laughs> they should take a lineman, and honestly, that's what they will do. Hopefully, I, I really am trying to convince myself. But my lack of confidence purely comes from the fact that these are the New York Jets. Okay? They are they are magnetized to doing stupid stuff. In this insane it has to be a curse. They just cannot function like a normal football team ever. So yes, is drafting an O lineman a hundred million thousand percent the right play for the New York Jets? Yes. Do I have confidence that they'll do that? No. Should I? Maybe. But I don't. Because they're the New York Jets. That's literally the only reason this conversation is happening. Not because it would make sense for them to trade up and draft Marvin Harrison. Not because it would make sense for them to trade up and draft for Joe Alt or draft Chop Robinson at 10. No. This conversation is happening because the New York Jets are the New York Jets. 
Just that simple. And this is the only team where I really talk about them this way. This and, like, the Mike Mayock Raiders are the two teams where I talk about their drafts like this. Because they're stupid. They're dumb. They don't know how to function as, fo- as a football team. They, they don't know how to. Very simple. I'm... Well, look, we're on the Patriots conversation. Let me just steer us <laughs> yeah. back. Thank you. Thank on the you. Track. Because I got on a rant. The Patriots, okay, the Patriots should draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Do not trade down. Do not. Unless you were offered three first-round picks and it's and you stay in the top ten, do not trade out of this pick. Do not. Just take, just take the guy you know is going to be great and stop. I hate it when teams do this. I hate when teams try to be the smartest guy in the room. Stop trying to be the smartest guy in the room. Just take the player who's good and just call, like, call it a day. Pack so, up your night at the third overall pick and stop working. I'm not saying that that would be the wrong approach. What do you think they do at quarterback, though? I think they'd take Jada Daniels like a bunch of idiots or Drake May or whoever's on the board. How, and how, it's, not the, it's nothing against Oh, well, I'm saying Jada in Daniels. the situation yeah. where they get – Marvin Harrison at three. Who do they take at quarterback? Because they need—they're not sticking with Mac Jones. Oh well, I mean uh, the free agency pool. I think is is leaving them with enough options right now that they could go. But I mean, also, I, like I think Mac Jones just sucks because he's got nobody to throw to. But I mean, if you really bring Jacoby Brissett back, if you if you want to start a quarterback next year, bring Brissett back. And you know what, Brissett um, does Brissett have familiarity with? Van Pelt, the OC. I'm sure. I'm. I'm sure. I think he was there with Van Pelt. Was the OC? I believe. I'll double check that. You keep going. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Brissett would be a really solid option for this team. I, mean, I don't. This is a good. I mean, Gardner Minshew's part in ways with the Colts after this year. I don't think they are going to resign him. I mean, they might. Um, but Gardner Minshew's going to be out there. I mean, there's yeah. a good list of names. He, Joe Flacco, he, Alex even, Van Pelt, and. Jacoby Brissett are familiar, so you know what I feel. Let's lock that in. <laughs> that this is my. Let's big lock prediction. in Jacoby Brissett to the Patriots to throw to Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. I'm, I'm down. I'm uh, down I and honestly, that's a very, that's a very ideal scenario for him. That is. Uh, this is this is like if we're playing. So you think you can GM right now, which is my favorite game to play with myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh wait, actually, that sounded weird. A pause, pause. <laughs> that came out really weird. My favorite game to play is so you think you can GM, and I play it all the time watching NFL stuff going on. Um, and if I were the Patriots, stay away from a quarterback right now. That That is not played in NFL snaps. Stay away first. from it. Foundation first. Absolutely. And if you are going to draft a quarterback, take Michael Penix at the top of the second round. Sure. Yeah. No, And I, I think, listen, Brissett's not going to be a long-term answer. Maybe, maybe yeah. they take Rattler late in round three or something. Maybe that's their approach. Maybe they even take the uh, Texas kid, Joe Milton. Uh, Milton. Oh, uh, Joe Milton. The yeah. Third. Maybe they take him. You know, th- th- there's options here. And the good thing is it's it's low risk. So, you know, if Rattler doesn't work, if Milton doesn't work, okay. We'll take some of the year after. All right. Uh, so, yeah, I-, I think that's an interesting scenario. What about the New York Giants with the six pick? They're the last team. Giants got to take about. a receiver too. It's Roma Dunze or Malik Neighbors, and I think it's Roma Dunze. Um, but you got to take a receiver there. There's no way you don't. And if they don't fire whoever the GM is, burn the whole place down. I don't care. But how are you going to be this adept at the one position? I think that this is a receivers league. Yeah. For the record, mm-hmm. even though the Chiefs won the Super Bowl and 
Yeah, you know, you could say what you want, but they still had Travis Kelsey. And Marquez Valdez-Scanling still made a very important catch, even though they just cut him today, for the record. But Marquez Valdez-Scanling made a very important catch to win them that game. This is a receiver's league, and it's a quarterback's league. Well, you don't have either right now. And you're sitting there at six. What's up? If Joe Alt is on the board. No. Really? Straight down. No. Wow. But the the O-line hasn't been good in years. Years. The the Giants O-line has been the worst in football for over half a decade. Patrick, I know a lot of bad offensive lines and teams still win games. Also, Andrew Thomas is good. Why are you going to draft another left tackle? Well, Andrew who Thomas says you can't move player. someone to right tackle? Move someone to right tackle, it's move not... Evan Neal to guard. I, I'm not I saying mean... this is absolutely what they do, but if I haven't watched Joe Alt yet. If Joe Alt is truly this generational offensive tackle. I don't tackle, think he is. I, okay. And I'll be honest with you, Patrick, I don't think he is. Okay, well, I think he's good. A Notre Dame, he's a good Notre Dame offensive lineman. We already know this mm-hmm. archetype. But he's not He's not Trent Williams. His athleticism doesn't blow me away. Okay. He doesn't when he's at run blocking, he does not maul people. He's very he's a tactician, he's, he's technical, he's mm-hmm. got impeccable footwork, he works up to the second level really well, and that's great. His his kick steps are, are very good, and he works well as a left tackle. But he is not some generational physical athlete okay. that I think is it, like you can't pass up on. All right. Well, he this, is not, this was also, this I, was uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad he said that. This was a very clear misunderstanding on my part. I haven't watched Joel yet. I've heard great things about him from some guys I really trust. No, he's trust. just getting glazed because nobody watches offensive line film. <laughs> well, I've heard he isn't, like, like, fancy. He won't bury people into the ground. Yeah. But he's almost watching him is almost like watching Joe Thomas. It's not flashy, but he's remarkably consistent. He just doesn't get beat. Simple as that. And if you're the Giants and you have the ability to stabilize your offensive line for the first time... In a decade, man. How do you not? How do you nope. not? I know receiver nope. is important, but we said it earlier. Receiver is deep in this draft class, man. It's you don't deep, get an opportunity I, to get Joe Thomas. Okay? Um, you look, don't get those. If I, I am tired of watching the Giants. And like Maybe this is just my bias. I mean, I'm, I'm an NFC East person, so I know these teams like the back of my hand. I am sick and tired of the Giants. Like, because how many times have they drafted offensive linemen in the first round? They yeah, drafted quite. I mean, Andrew right, Thomas and have Evan any, Neal. Have any of years. them have any of them been the type of prospect that Joe Alt is? You're lower on Joe Alt than most, but most people are considering this kid to be. Evan Neal was taken. <laughs> Evan Neal was, was taken, taken early. Evan Neal was, was taken fifth very overall, early, I believe. and he was a remarkable athlete. But people were not talking about Evan Neal the way that they're talking about this Joe Alt kid. Yeah, but that. I don't know. I, I think that you can hear all the talk you want, Roma Dunze or Malik Neighbors. Listen, I get and them, also, I get them over uh Penn State kid, Olu Fashanu. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm definitely not. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's Olu Fashanu. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh Olu Fashanu. I, I just didn't know if I was remembering the last name, right? He's someone who very good pass blocker. There's some flaws in the run game, right? And with me, I look at it as, okay, there, there's flaws with him. There's a bust factor there a little bit. Joe Alt, from what I heard, he's this, like, 
golden boy of O-line prospects. I haven't heard someone talk about an O-line prospect like this since Penny Sewell. And what is Penny Sewell doing right now? Dominant. Penny Dominant. Sewell's been great, but let's not forget who went before Penny Sewell. Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. Jamar Chase went before Penny Sewell. And it's it's not an indictment on Penny Sewell because I, I wanted the Bengals to take Penny Sewell to protect Joe Burrow. And we've all seen Joe Burrow get absolutely mauled. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most sacked quarterbacks of all time already in his in his very short career. Um, but he's getting eaten alive back there. And look, my, my account is called Between the Tackles, and this isn't me plugging my stuff yet, but we'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> I love the trenches more than anybody else. I would love to see great offensive and defensive line play because, honestly, that's what I'm interested in in the first place. Mm-hmm. But in, in the current NFL that we play in, all of the rules and everything that is – I don't know how to explain it. The rules and the game right now is favoring quarterbacks and wide receivers. Mm. That's what the but game like, favors. We talked about it earlier. The draft is stacked at wide receiver. And I know they're not quite Malik Neighbors. Malik Neighbors. I love Malik Neighbors. And I am a big fan of Roma Dunze. I am. But is the drop-off from those wide receivers to the second-round wide receivers as big as the drop-off from Joe Alt to the second-round O-lineman? Because the fact is, they need O-linemen. They do. Their O-line was terrible, awful, this is a downright very trash. Good, this is a deep offensive line class, too. And I, I, at the end of the day, I would rather have a wide receiver that I know is a wide receiver one. It's also just like offensive line. Like, I, I don't trust as much the offensive line draft process as I do the wide receiver draft process. Because I know we have a lot of busts at wide receiver, but normally, wide receivers within those top picks, they're going to hit. Mm-hmm. Normally, top pick wide receivers aren't. Like, I mean, name the last wide receiver that was an early, early pick that was a total. But I mean, Henry Ruggs, I guess. But, like, name the last wide receiver that was a premier I mean, pick. Drake London, class, maybe. Jer- Jerry Judy. Same draft class as Ruggs. I mean, Rigor, right? I mean that's obvious. Yeah, but Rager twenty first. I'm talking about like Oh, you're talking Well, London okay. Might, Jerry Judy you know, was an early Drake. pick though. He's absolutely been a yeah. bust. Yeah. I... Him, uh I'm trying to think of someone else. Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, and that might be last year there weren't any receivers taken overly high. Uh year prior was I mean I'd say ba- three of the four worked high. out. Three of the four worked out really yeah. well. So, uh, like, I, I agree. And normally the receivers that end up being bad and are bust, you could tell that there's – you could tell they're kind of raw prospects. Uh, But with me, my, my thing is really the the fact that they haven't hit on any old lineman early in a while. Okay. Joe Alt, maybe he won't be this generational guy, but he's guaranteed to be good. He is guaranteed to be good. And that's the thing. They don't need to have the best old line on earth. And I know Malik Neighbors, he's probably going to be the best wide receiver on earth. Or in that tier, right? Uh, but for me, it's just this is an old line that's been so bad for so long. And there's just, in terms of product and demand, there's a lot more product of wide receivers relative to the demand of wide receivers compared to high-caliber O-linemen as a product compared to the demand for high-caliber O-linemen. And I think when you have an opportunity 
to draft a can't-miss prospect like Jawalt, who is apparently a can't-miss prospect. I don't th- I think it's just this is where we differ. I, he's not a can't-miss prospect. Okay. And again, I, I need to I need to get on that film at some point. I've been saying he's someone that I want to watch. I've watched some other O-linemen. Look, he's watched really good. He's, yeah. he's a really good offensive lineman. He's mm-hmm. a really good football player. But he is not – I have – I liked Penny Sewell's tape a lot better coming out of college, and that was the second mock draft well, that I ever Penny done. Well, Penny Sewell was a dominant force. Sewell was a dominant force. Penny Sewell was a mauler. Yeah. Pe- Penny what it Sewell sounds like from Joe Alt, and he moved them. What it sounds yeah. like from Joe Alt, he isn't going to bury people. From what I've heard, what it sounds like, he isn't going to bury people. But you need someone to – Seal the backside as a tackle. He's gonna do it a hundred percent of the time. You need someone to hold yeah, up that's a one on one. You need someone to hold up a one on one. He's doing that a hundred percent of the time. You need but someone. That's not sixth overall pick. That's for me. That's not because uh, Joel. Like I see drafts and I see drafting players in terms of how many points are they gonna swing this team, and I don't think. Joe Alt is the same point swing when you're as this, Malik Neighbors or Roman Dunes. This incompetent. At bringing in O linemen, whether it's through free agency, through the I don't draft. think that the I think Andrew Thomas is a good football. That was player. the only one, only one. The Giants had missed on literally every other offensive lineman they attempted to bring in. I mean, John Michael Schmitz is still TBD, okay, so I sure. wouldn't say that TBD. That's that's the highest praise you can give anyone else. I mean, really, think about it. Nate Scholder. But then, at, at some point, it's the coaching. At yeah. some point, it's the coaching. Maybe, and then, it if seems that's like the Joel case, is this prospect that cannot be ruined. Maybe no, he can't. I think any any football player could be ruined by bad coaching. Let's let's make this clear. Like, I understand Joe Thomas. Oh, first of all, the Joe Thomas comp, I think, is ridiculous. Is it? That is so. Uh, it's, it's something you hear. It's. I've heard people watching his film almost feel like they're watching Joe Thomas because he just doesn't ever lose reps. And it's, like, boring because he doesn't lose reps. Yeah, but at the same time, he's not making any plays that I think are winning you football games. Yeah, and, like, yeah okay, again, he's, he's a solid... He, he, he is a stout pass protector on the back end, and he's not... But, like, at the end of the day, he's not going to make that big block on a, you know... Yeah. Let's say you're running power and you need a down block... You need a key down block. It's going to wash. You need to wash down Aaron Donald. Also, I don't think he's faced his pass rushing resume to me is not. Has he not played? It's against not substantial. That might be true. I, I don't think. Maybe. I'm trying to think off the top of my head the best pass rusher that he played against, and I I, I don't think a single one of them is going to the first round. Mm. Did, did, <sighs> have you heard anything from maybe his Senior Bowl performances? Maybe. I'm going to have to do more research. I mean, I've just watched his highlights, and I don't remember watching any highlights of him going up have, against have some... Have you looked at, like, the straight-up All-22? Yes. Well, that's all I've been watching is the straight-up oh, okay, All-22. Okay. Yeah. And, like, I watched his All-22 against Pitt, which, I mean, it's Pitt. there should be an asterisk around that one probably, but it was Pitt. Um, I did watch the Ohio State film, um, which I thought he played very well in the Ohio State. And, and they're was really well-coached in line. Sawyer? Jack Sawyer? Well, uh, it depended on the rotation that they were in. Um, it wasn't saw a decent amount of matchups against Sawyer. Sawyer isn't a round yeah, one he, guy, he... but uh, he he's a prospect in this draft. He's an NFL player. Uh, yeah, 
I'm not saying that these aren't NFL guys. I'm talking about first round, like top tier. But like Panay Sewell's pass, like yeah, no, I, I watched Sewell. Crazy. Sewell was, and he was when he was up against a player that was a lower caliber than him. He killed him. He killed him. Well, he it was obvious. Him. It was yeah. obvious. Yeah, with all, from what I've heard, it's not even like that. With him, well, from he, all... he'll perform just, and this is almost a double-edged sword, he'll perform just as well against the really good edges as he does against the really bad ones. Well, and I also think that Joe Alt, a lot of these highlights that I've seen from him, because, the, you know, you see the highlights they show on tape and stuff, a lot of them is him picking up blitzers from the second level or in the run game. You know, a linebacker walks into the box, and then all of a sudden he's one-on-one with a linebacker and takes him for a ride, and that's great. Um, and it's great that he has the vision to pick up these blitzes from the second level, but I haven't seen a lot of him like just dominating, you know, a straight up pass rush. It's a lot of him sifting through things. And let's also not forget the Notre Dame offense. It's not like it's not like Joe Walt was like his job was made necessarily harder. This is a very vanilla offense. They're running the ball a lot. They're running very team friendly concepts. They're not like, oh, Joe Walt, we're going to leave you on an island. They're like, no, we'll have a tight end. We'll chip. You know, we'll do what we need to do. Set you up for success. Play action. That that's um, an interesting perspective. Again, again, I wouldn't really understand yeah. that. Uh, so I'm glad that you provided me with that. But I, I do want to say, just bringing this back to the Giants, I'm glad neither of us brought up quarterback. Uh, because I feel like a lot of people no, because you're not right now. quarterback. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> yeah, and I I think a lot of people are thinking about it as you don't want to be in the position the Steelers were in when they drafted Kenny Pickett, where they have to draft someone because they have to. And that's the only reason they end up drafting someone round one. Uh, obviously, you don't want to be in that position. But if they need to... Like, just because they have the ability to void a lot of Daniel Jones' contract and, you know, not take much of a dead cap after this year, doesn't mean you have to move on from him after this year. Like, if you want to just keep him there while you build the rest of your offense and then you draft someone, they, they absolutely can. Now, I know... Dable and the coaching staff might not stick around that long, but still it's not for the sake of the team. That isn't a flawed approach. Dable is trying to win right now though. So maybe that's the rationale behind drafting a quarterback, but at the same time is like, no. Yeah. You know, like with the guys available at six, you could stick with Jones. You could afford to stick with Jones. If it got really weak after like the first four picks, then okay. Yeah. Draft a quarterback. They went nine and eight and made the playoffs and won a playoff game with, with Daniel Tommy, Jones with Tommy DeVito. Oh, I thought you meant well, like. Was, oh, okay, yeah. I no, thought you said no, nine no, and with, eight with Daniel Jones and Brian Dable's first year as a head coach with this team. Yeah. They won nine games and they beat the Vikings in the playoffs. Yeah. Whilst whilst having nobody to throw to. Yeah. Daniel Bellinger was their tight end. Yeah. And he Catch, was and, one of their and not an indictment. Mm-hmm. And one of their leading receivers. So imagine if you just get a competent receiver to a guy. Like, Brian Dable's not an idiot. He worked with Stefan Diggs. He's worked with competent receivers throughout his career. He knows how to get guys open. He knows he knows a good receiver when he sees one. Yeah. Absolutely. Just get I, a good receiver. Just get somebody. Because Wandale, Wandale will be a solid second option. Mm-hmm. And I think Neighbors is a guy I, I think he's going to be very, very good and I think Odunze. I do too. I'm a big Malik Neighbors fan. I'm a huge uh, Malik I'm Neighbors fan. I'm big on both of them. So I, I think it's difficult for them to go wrong here. Uh, I think quarterback would be a wrong choice, not because like drafting a quarterback is a sin here, but just considering the other options that are probably going to be available on the board. 
Odunze, Neighbors. All might not be there, but if he is, uh, how do you say no to that? I, I still don't understand. Uh, <laughs> you know, even Olu Fashanu, I would take ahead of a quarterback if it's Jaden Daniels or whoever. Uh, I, I just think there's too many quality players here for you to go ahead and take a quarterback. You could stick with Jones and be fine-ish. He's not your quarterback of the future, but, like, you'll get your receiver of the future. You'll get your offensive tackle of the future. You know, I'm... teams need to stop worrying about quarterback before they dot their I's and cross their T's. And I'm, and I'm going to live by that. And that's the methodology that I'm going to stick with mm-hmm. well, yeah. because I truly believe that there's, there's no reason to be worrying about the quarterback position until you get your team figured out. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of truth to that. So we're going to wrap it up on that. I- I'm glad we had that deep of a commentary about the giants. I did not expect it to go that deep. I like their back and forth there too. I think I think, you know, it's definitely a conversation to be had right now. It's going to be something New York media is going to be talking about a lot. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Even that debate about the Patriots. I, I mean, we both agreed there, but there's a lot to go over. This is going to be a fun draft, man. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see what types of situations the combine provides us. You know, there's definitely going to be some players that really skyrocket up boards because of some amazing combine performances. So, you know, I'm excited for that to start up tomorrow. If you want more of my content, check out at no huddle NFL, no capitals and no space on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Also, check out at no huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end on Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. And, Dom, why don't you go ahead and promote your stuff for the people? Oh, yeah, it's uh, at Between the Tackles on TikTok, no capitals, no spaces, uh, at Between the Tackles. And on YouTube, uh, Between, capital B, capital T for the, and capital T for tackles. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at Dominic underscore Minicozzi, just if you want to keep up with my life and all the cool stuff I'm doing. But, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Yeah, thank you again for listening. If you want more of the content, check it out on Tuesday. A new podcast should be dropping, and if it isn't dropping, then follow the Twitter where I will be keeping you updated on any schedule changes that might be happening. I hope you enjoyed, and I'll see you next week.